Welcome to out of school office hours. This is Chuck and Stephanie. Yeah, Stephanie, this is the second episode. I mean, wow. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's been a minute. <laughs> Sorry, folks. There was a lot of trials and errors while we were recording the first episode. So hopefully, this will seem like improved. Yeah, probably yes. Like we recorded two times for the first episode. It's like a little taste of the challenges professors have while setting up their office hours. That's true. Like so, how have it been for the past month or so? Like it's been four weeks, a month. Yeah, I don't know. A month. I yeah. feel like my move has been improving, but、mm-hmm. then I am also feeling the cold coming in. So I don't know. Um,、mm. I assembled my couch, which I was putting off,、mm-hmm. and I wrote a paper with a friend.、Mm-hmm. The deadline was really stressful. And now I'm just TAing and taking classes as a third year. <laughs> wow! How about you, Yuck? Pretty similar, but I actually returned to the campus. It's、uh, technically it's off campus though.、Um, it was a ten hour long flight. I was so afraid of that, so I prepared some gadgets, including like face shields. Gloves and masks, but also quite excited to be here. I don't know why though. Maybe because I bought a pair of roller skates to ride around the lake. It's sort of compensation for swimming. <laughs> oh yeah, that long trip. Uh, sounds pretty stressful, but now you'll be re- more prepared for your return flight, and I'm、mm-hmm. excited for you to be back. Thanks.、Uh, Maybe we could do like a social distancing roller skate and bike picnic or whatever. Not that I know how to roller skate or bike well at this point. <laughs> so, what do we talk about in this episode? Yeah, I want to discuss the first generation in higher education. It's been a thing. Um, I think this issue becomes more and more problematic, or I don't know, while students have to adapt. To new learning circumstances, which they may or may not want to like, do. Are you talking about like learning from home? Yeah, sort of like that.、Mm, sounds good. So, can you tell the listeners more about what it means to be a first gen student in higher ed? Yeah, it refers to um. Post-secondary students whose parents have not received post-secondary education. For example, my mom attended a two-year open university where students took audio-recorded <coughs> lectures at that time. It's like thirty years ago, and I don't think that was a proper degree program. It's more like open lectures. And my dad did not attend university, so. I and my sister only attended university in my family, and I'm the first grad student in both sides of my family tree. How about you? It's kind of interesting. So my great grandma on my mom's side attended college, and she was a one room 
classroom school teacher in the early 1900s in Georgia. But then after that, none of my grandparents attended college, like on either side. Mm-hmm. So both of my parents ended up going to college, but they had some challenges with it. Ultimately, though, my mom's now has a bachelor's in nursing, and my dad has several degrees, like bachelor's in psychology, master's in business administration, and an educational doctorate. They actually met while they were both in undergrad. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say it's not necessarily the standard to pursue higher education in our extended family. So we were kind of in a unique position, which I'm grateful for. My brother studied accounting and finance, and I did my undergrad in computer and electrical engineering, and now I'm working on my PhD. So I would say no, I don't have a first-gen experience, but I grew up being made aware of what that is like and some of the challenges that come with it. Because part of my dad's job is helping first-gen students get to college. Hmm. It was quite surprising for me that most of the college students actually have parents who have at least bachelor's degrees like when I was in undergrad so I thought not attending a college was quite common like two three decades ago and once I get in grad school like many students have PhDs in their family including cousins it was surprising like I was like is it that common like to me it's really like unique way Mm-hmm. In terms of like career select career decision, yeah, doing a PhD, are you um sane? Are you okay? Something They're like not. that. Like, how much <laughs> do you like studying? Like, I was like, well, it's not like studying, studying, sort of, you know. Yeah. So like, when you are writing PhD applications, I wasn't even aware of what first generation means. Mm. So to me, it's like PhD parents, PhD kids. I'm like, it's really a special thing. So I thought first generation should be something like normal or at least universal or at least sort of majority in number, whatever. I don't know. Anyway, never thought that it can be an identity sort of, you know. I thought it's just so common. Yeah. And then after knowing that, like, yeah. Yeah, I feel like... So what? Like... Part of it is more about mm-hmm. the undergrad than the PhD. Mm-hmm. But then with PhD, it's like more. Yeah. I think that it became an identity because of the disparities that exist in higher education. Like, to me, what first-gen sig- signals is the potential need for additional resources whether that's financial, mentorship, networking advice, things like that. Um, because higher ed can often be elitist. By mm-hmm. often, I mean it is. It um, is. <laughs> <laughs> and they like assume that people come in knowing things about how to navigate the space or they don't have to have other jobs to support themselves and their families or they have like this big safety mm-hmm. net. Um of all these things. So it's like a huge ex- uh, experience difference when you're when you're uh, coming into this for the first time, I think. Mm. 
So um, do you think there are some advantages to having parents who pursued higher education? I mean, yeah, I think it was a privilege to have grown up with parents who pursued higher ed. It means that they could give me insights on what schools to apply to, help me out with filling paperwork and applying for scholarships. Um, they sometimes read my papers and give me feedback. Um, hmm. I think it's somewhat different though, because my dad does college counseling. So like I grew up hearing him give advice to other parents to give to their kids, which I just kind of took too. Hmm. That's quite a strong advantage, I guess, for those who pursue college education. Like what kind of advice? So some of the examples of this are like apply for scholarships starting from your junior year in high school and mm -hmm. take as many free tests as you can to prepare for the paid test you take. Wow. Because having a higher test score can help you auto qualify for certain merit scholarships, which is great. Mm -hmm. Like I, I applied to this school where because my test score was so high, they were like, we'll cover your tuition. Uh, I didn't end up going there, but that was a really good deal. Mm -hmm. um, and I wish I had looked into that more at other places. Um, but also that you should also go to office hours with professors, ask for help or extensions on assignments, mm -hmm. because literally everyone is doing that. And get a tutor if you're struggling, or even if you're not struggling, having friends to study with, and probably more that I'm not thinking of right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I get it. Like, probably I think... I was lucky for that part, like taking advice because mm -hmm. my because my high school teacher was really an expert about that. So I was in a system or sort of track that only considers test scores. So you like at your in your college admission, just test score matters. Nothing else doesn't mm. matter. So, like, considering no extracurricular activities, which I did a lot, but, like, they were not considered. So, which I think, not that bad. So, because if you are in a poor family, extracurricular requires money. It requires mm. a lot of money. Like Really? Yes. For example, if you're... If your school provides extracurricular programs related to music, then you have to buy instrument or or take some extra lessons, something like that. Oh, I never even thought about that. So like the only option you can choose is sort of voluntary work. Mm -hmm. So voluntary services to the community. But if you have more resources, including like financial resources, then you can do it like in a much more in a way that has much more impact like for example i did some voluntary services at community um homeless center mm -hmm. so there i helped homeless homeless um order alerts with their taking showers getting clean something like that and then at the same time those in like you know rich, like super rich family they did publish like books for 
What? Blind people. <laughs> Do you know something like that? Like, can you even imagine that? No, not in high it's, school. It's like, it's you know, there's a really, like, big scale gap. Yeah. So something like that, like, if you have more, more resources, then you, your extracurricular can be improved in unimaginable way. Yeah. So it's, it also relies on that, but like, to me, so because of like some, some problem like that, to me, um, test scores seemed only fair measure mm-hmm. at the time, but now I don't think so, but like at the time I thought that's only measure, that's fair. Yeah. So I'm like, yeah. Like here, um the testing system's pretty messed up. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like the the public education isn't equal across states, so then you have, and even private, then you have all these students who are struggling with the tests. Mm-hmm. And, but maybe they do a lot of extracurriculars, like maybe they're in their sports, and they're mm-hmm. a leader there, or they like do the community service, or they're like in a cultural club. And a lot of these things are like money optional, Mm-hmm. Um, so like for cultural clubs, sometimes they want you to like cook something, mm-hmm. but if you c- can't cook something, then you can like go help somebody else cook it. So it's tried to, it tries to be more inclusive. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. And then it also relates to time mm-hmm. when time is resource is a yeah. resource. Like, you know, as a, like some high school kids, they really need to do some part-time jobs. Yeah. And and then if they have to do extracurricular thing, it's like, oh, oh then, no, something yeah. like that. Yeah. And you know, my high school experience is really awful. Like, you know, I went to school like eight a.m. and came back home eleven p.m. What? Why was it so long? It's sort of, I don't know, I, I, I don't know, like, I don't think that was necessary, like, at this moment, but, like, at the time, it was, re- like, something, like, mandatory thing, you know, it was, like, studying machine. Uh. <laughs> yeah, I went to school from, like, 8 to 3.30, mm-hmm. 9 to 3.30. Mm-hmm. And then it was extracurriculars to like four or five some days. Yeah. And then I walk home with my friends. Mm-hmm. And then I eat and then I do homework. Yeah. And, and then, then I sleep. On top of the schooling time and you have to do extracurricular things, I'm like, no way I cannot. Yeah. So there comes money things. Yeah. <laughs> my brother so did like, football. Yeah, it was something like that. And then, yeah, so, anyway, so what, what about, what about disadvantages, like, <laughs> having, having PhD uh, parents? Um, is there yeah. any? Uh, I don't know. It's like, the main disadvantage I could see is like, parents wanting their kids to also go to college or mm-hmm. pursue what's considered like a profitable job so that they can be quote unquote productive. 
mm-hmm. in the society. So like you can't go be an artist or you can't like do a trade or if you decide you want to do that, then you have to also like study business in order to do that. Um, or like other non-traditional paths. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess it's, I don't know what's considered traditional. But any path that the parents didn't pursue is then seen as like rebellion on the family in some cases. Uh, uh, like I heard a story from my friend, like in her family and like her dad is PhD and he keeps asking about her qualification. I'm like, what? No. Like you, you have enough stress sources for your qualification, right? And then, like even your dad asking about qual qualification, I'm like, please don't. Yeah, sometimes my dad is like, you need to form your study group and go study together every week for your qualifier, and I'm like, dad, my qualifier isn't even a test. Like, yeah, that's <laughs> what I mean. So it's an interesting check in. It's like having another advisor sometimes. Like, yeah. oh, are you publishing? Oh, did you do this? Where's your new research site? I'm like, dude, can't you just be mm. my dad right now? Like, mm. I don't know. Mm. It's nice, but it's also just like, <laughs> sometimes mm-hmm. it's funny. Because sometimes right. he'll tell me what research I should be pursuing. Um, and be like, you should publish in this field because I think it's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like AI. Yeah, and then, like, from what you said, I feel like they, um, there's some sort of bias toward higher education. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, like, because my country is kind of obsessed with education, so everyone goes to college. It seems a little bit normal. So it's kind of considered, like, literally normal to attend the college. So like, what else can you do without a bachelor's degree? Something like that. Like literally you, you hear that. Mm. So to me, it seems like this trend resulted in a higher unemployment rate among college graduates. I don't know, like I, I cannot describe how exactly it affects, but like everyone goes to college. And yeah, doing nothing. That seems about right, cause like and they enters an economic market. I'm like, ah. <laughs> You're like ah. Yeah. <laughs> ah. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, uh, like literally, like the other day, my dad just mm-hmm. asking me. When are you going to earn money? I was like, well, I haven't been taught about how to make money. So how could you expect me to make money? Like, mm. it was like, at, it was like when I was about to be graduated from my undergraduate. Undergrad. Oh, okay. So like, he was natural. He was naturally expecting something like that. I'm like, well, I'm not ready. I did humanities that. Like, 
how can I make money? <laughs> <laughs> Poor humanities majors. And my we master's, my, my master's degree will be social science. That even worse. <laughs> um, uh, happened. We need the social scientists. Yeah, but I really like I personally. I really think that. It was so good to study humanities and social science at least for some years, for in my early career. Yeah, I agree. It gives you like another perspective. Mm-hmm. You're, you're less like right, right, right. Yeah, computing is the only way yes. type person. Yes. Uh, but I I agree that like when you require pretty much everybody to get that bachelor's degree, mm-hmm. then it's like they. They see it as too accessible, mm-hmm. so then it's not like another like like they're using it as an elite elitist kind of mark of like who's worthy of these jobs. But then now that more I guess more less wealthy people can access these things, then they made the jobs even harder to attain. Like now you need to pay to get a master's. Yeah. Now you need to pay to get this PhD. Right, and then like personally, I think. Like even though I'm pursuing a PhD degree, I don't think PhDs should get paid higher. I think it's a different thing. Well, like even though people, some people might say it's kind of economic market decisions, but like it's kind of. I think it's sort of lucky thing to be good at some skills. That your generation wants,、mm-hmm. so it's like. Well, studying well, it's like, some some, lucky skill. <laughs> yes,、yeah. I mean, like you know, like some people, some people might think that. Good at studying. It's sort of based on their efforts and. Like. Devotion,、mm-hmm. or commitment, but、mm-hmm. I'm like, well, it's sort of lucky skill, like. Yeah, I mean, it's like I mean, it can be based on it. Be like that, right? Well, it's like you can be, kind of an uh. Okay, here's here, this is a hot take. So like,、mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of introverted people tend、mm-hmm. to be, have these like researchy, quote unquote, good at studying skills. Because、mm-hmm. they prefer not to talk to others, so they're like in these books, right?、Mm-hmm. But I don't think that's like an inherent thing. I think people could develop the skills, but I also think there's a lot of issues in terms of like accessibility to to、mm-hmm. these skills and like、right. how how like so like say you have ADHD, then they don't really teach you how to work with your ADHD to do studying, and now you're like. Oh, I can't just get this when you have this other kind of learning situation going on, and、yeah. then that's not built into the higher education system. They're like, no, you should sit here for three hours and do your lab for three hours straight, and don't go to the bathroom, and don't eat, and you should be able to handle this, which is just like quite frankly not normal. Yeah, so it's like like that. <laughs> I really don't like that situation is going on. Yeah. Anyways, but I guess、um, from your perspective as a first gen student, did you see any advantages to that? 
Yeah, I probably I think mentioned something similar, but um, one good thing is that my parents don't intervene with what I am doing that much. Like, doesn't mean that they don't take care of me, but it's like I have more freedom in making decisions about my career.、Mm-hmm. You know, it's good to have some advice from p- my parents about what they've experienced, like dealing with a financial crisis. Like from time to time, I experience that, but <laughs> don't we all? <laughs> but I don't take too much. Um, I don't take much care about um what they have not experienced. Like I, like, and I'm quite open with my career decisions.、Mm-hmm. I've been so so like you know try not to be panicked when there comes a sudden deviation. Like、oh. you know. I deviated a lot, so I started my undergrad linguistics, and then, well, maybe I better learn some skills. So I chose to <laughs> study computer science. What? Anyways, so it's like when when you when you move from one field to another field, like, you know, within like academic things, my parents are like, yeah. What are you doing? Study that. I don't know what even you are studying. I'm like, huh. <laughs> Anyways, it's it's in a good way. Yeah. So you're like able to go more with the flow and kind of. Yeah. It doesn't mean that they are ignorant because my mom, from time to time, she reads my textbooks. Oh. To try to get a sense of what I am studying. Yeah. Like and then my... she's the she's the only person who knows linguistics. Oh. Like around me, like everyone is thinks like linguistics. It sounds like learning a lot of languages, or being a grammar obsessed person, something like that. But it's really like grammar is really nothing, and learning different languages. No, no. Some people do that, but I would say that's not a default quality in linguistics. Yeah. Anyways, so like, and she knows linguistics is about understanding human language. So like, yeah. Anyways, but like, she she doesn't um say say something about like my career decision. Like, it's really up to me, and、yeah. I think I see that is good. Yeah, I got I get fussed out every time I call my mom, and I'm like. Mom, should I keep going with this PhD? She's like, "Girl, if you don't get your life together, you need to finish that PhD, no matter what." And I'm like, "I don't even know if I like it." She's like, "You like it." <laughs> so it's a different kind of take. Oh no. <laughs> um. Do you think there's any disadvantages? Hmm. I never thought it was a disadvantage because, like, in my world, it's more common not to have parents holding a bachelor's degree. So, um, what I recently realized was about talking with professors.、Mm-hmm. So not my advisor is is bad or something like that. It's it's like me. It's about me. So when I was an undergrad, like I didn't know that I could have a chance to talk with a professor personally. Like personally means like you know you can have a meeting with meeting about career decisions something like that yeah especially if you are pursuing academic job 
And I thought that they didn't care much about undergrads, but like partially they didn't, but partially they did. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, you like professors seeing a undergrad who wants to go to grad school, like they are like, their eyes are like hunting. This kid, yes. We'll make him do um, our research projects. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it's kind of a bit of a joke, but once I started my master's program and like started doing TA and I got to know that it's okay to talk with them like for like consultation, counseling, something like mm -hmm. that. So I'm like, wow, I could do that. Yeah. Yeah, like those 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 offhand conversations are really a great tool. Mm -hmm. If you're able to take advantage of them. Yeah. Another disadvantage is that my parents, especially my dad, think that I am immature. Like, not grown enough because I'm still a student. That's different. Yeah. I think it's quite common to think a grad student as a premature, like, being who... Premature being who still needs to learn. Uh -huh. But like basically we take classes, but classes are like just classes, you know, it's, it's not something, something that big compared to what class meant while you were in undergrad. Oh uh, yeah. Right? Yeah. It's, you know, so like. Considering that their next step is sort of a doctoral researcher or a faculty member who work as PIs, I think being in grad school is more like working as a junior employee. Mm -hmm. So 2020 is my 10th year in higher education. Oh no, wow, Ooh, what's going exposed. on here? <laughs> so my parents are like, when are you going to work and have a proper income? Like even though my, my, my income has been quite stable since I started my grad program. Mm -hmm. You know, um, in particular, my dad thinks that I, I financially depend on him, but I've been independent since like five, six years ago. I don't know. I feel like that's it's just like he's imagining that. <laughs> so I I didn't even pay undergrad tuition like it's kind of thanks to need based assistance mm -hmm. in my college so like my higher education has been zero mm. cost that's the best way to do it yeah yeah you've been in school for a while now uh, I think this is my seventh year so. I wasn't sure if I was going to go to grad school when I started, but I saw a lot of the experiences of my peers in undergrad, which inspired me to find some solutions to help. Mm -hmm. I think my research area definitely has shifted, but it's still something important to me. I'm just not how, sure how to, uh, how to, how to do that. Like I'm, I'm thinking now that it's more of like a mentorship thing than a research thing. Mm -hmm. Um, but that's if I go into higher ed after this, mm. if the market is open at all for us to go into higher education after this. Mm. So like I try to find some more information about being first year student. So online, I went online and there's a center for 
first generation student success. Mm-hmm. You know, according to them, as of 2016, around 60 to 70% of college students were first generation in two year programs in private for profit schools. Whereas they take below 50% in four-year programs of public and non-profit private schools. Wow. Yeah. And there are more first-generation students among Black, um, Latinx, mm-hmm. Native American, and Pacific Islander students. Yeah. While more continuing generations am- among White and Asian. Yeah, see Asian. Is- <laughs> I understand. I. At least I in the it. U.S., education system yeah that's the case so i'm like what my interest was how students use their services like services provided by their universities so first-gen students tend to use more financial services and less health and academic services i think i think that's probably because the average earning of parents of first-generation students and those of continuing generation like college graduates are expected to earn more than high school graduates do. So continuing gen students are least likely to suffer from financial problems. Not that they don't suffer, but like yeah. least likely. At the same time, first-gen students from non-rich families should spend more time working, which spares less time for health and academic services for them. So, like, their priority becomes more about financial things. Uh-huh. So, I've used the same service if I had not received aid-based assistance because my parents' earnings were not enough for my tuition. Just, like, three times of their, to their earnings. Like, uh-huh. monthly earnings. Yeah. That's pretty surprising to me that the mm-hmm. health coverage is used less in addition to academic services. Uh my undergrad has a student center, though, that can help first-gen students with this. Hmm. What do you think helped you a lot as a first-gen student? Hmm. Not so sure, but, like, maybe freedom with my choices. For me, it's... Although it's... It was sort of bravery from ignorance... <laughs> I think I've changed it a lot while I was in university. You know, I started my undergrad in humanities and now I'm pursuing a computer science PhD degree. And when I first started taking computer science courses, the computer science program was not popular. It was like early 2010. So, um, because it was before machine learning take the market you know yeah there was a such period really yeah when there wasn't (laughs) like there was a period when machine learning and ai wasn't a thing at that time not a big thing at least yeah my friends were worried about my gpa because you know my university did relative grading so a letter grades were just limited only for some portion of students Mm. like for example, thirty percent, thirty-five percent or so. So I was like, "Why does it matter?" Like, I literally thought it doesn't matter. The courses that I took would be more important at the time. Yeah. 
but however, it wasn't. And I realized that I should have maintained high GPA when I was about to graduate. <laughs> and people have no time for looking at the list of courses that I took. They just want to see the number. For, for example, if you are pursuing some job, like non-academic job, it really does matter a lot. And it was not actually not that hard to get good grades in those courses because actually computer science wasn't popular at that time. So their students were not even interested in what they studied that much. Like they were like, what the heck pointers are like that. <laughs> I think I'm like that. <laughs> they, they, you know, at time at the time they entered in computer science program, like undergrad computer science program, they were like, yeah, let's learn some Excel and Word and PowerPoint. That will be oh. amazing, like something like that. Yeah. They like some some kids might know much better much better than that, but like most of the kids were naive and they will they they even don't think about learning programming yeah. or assembling compilers, something like that. It's like far away from their experience. Yeah. So when you start something like without um, any indirect and direct experience, you are likely to choose a safe and known path. So in my university, it's GPA focused because it is related to your scholarships, future jobs, and professional degrees like business and law schools. So like students are so obsessed with their GPAs, but I was like, not like that. I'm like, Ooh, GPA kids, I'm like, felt like novel <laughs> compared to them. Yeah. I was like, huh. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. But like, if schools were to offer more pass and fail courses, mm-hmm. students could take like those challenging courses that they, they didn't know if they would like or not mm-hmm. instead of what they take because they think they can be good at it. So then if the goal is like actually learning, maybe mm-hmm. then students can take courses that challenge their previous knowledge. Yeah, I agree. Like, actually, my friend's school did something similar to that with a wide range of need-based scholarships. So when students take courses from a different major, First three courses are evaluated as pass and fail. Mm. And after doing this for a couple of the years, the students showed better attendance and performance. Also, they abolished grade-based assistance and changed that to need-based scholarships, like entirely, and then resulted in it resulted in a better grades mm. among first-gen students and non-rich students. I see. I think that's um really interesting because it could help like students be more diverse in their studies. Mm-hmm. I remember taking courses in undergrad based on the only how well I thought I could do in the course and not 
what I thought was interesting just so I could keep a GPA to get a quote-unquote good job because mm-hmm. I thought a big thing for engineer employee employers is your GPA. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. That, I never thought GPA is important until I was preparing my PhD application. I mean, that's all they talk to us about. They're like, keep your GPA up. If you don't keep your GPA up, we're kicking you out of this college. Go, uh, join, go join another program. <laughs> uh, so stressed. So GPA thing actually reminds me of high school. And then, like, what, when I was graduating, graduated, I was like, I would never take exam like that. And then I would never maintain my GPA. And then, you know, I took GRE and then... Nah. <laughs> no more exam after GRE. I was like that. Yeah. Well, it's been a good chat. Getting yeah. to talk about this interesting topic. Okay, yeah. Is your quarantine ongoing? Yes. Um, I think I'm quite used to it. Really? Like how? What do you do besides work? Well, I do a lot of stuff just to release my anxiety, which has been a thing past few months. But um, I often play some small games like Mario Kart. And I recently completed all episodes of Star Trek Discovery and Umbrella Academy on Netflix. Star Trek? Who watches that? Oh, that's a savage. <laughs> it's just uh... my experience of the world. I mean, like, you just, like, condemned, like, millions of Trekkies. I don't know even there's millions. There's millions? Is it good? Uh, yeah, it's, um, I think that's, I would say it's different. Like, I really enjoyed the Star Trek episodes. Maybe because I like space series, but, um, particularly in those recent episodes, I like that there was no absolute good or bad. Mm-hmm. Like, there, there were some characters... Who, who represented as some absolute good, but like in general, there were no absolute good or bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, every side is kind of switching from one to the other. And one criticism I would add is that space stories are likely to be human-centered. Yeah. So, um, well, like in machine learning and artificial intelligence, human-centered is a thing, but when you talk about race human centers don't mean might mean something bad so where humans are dominant species in the era of space travel travel and which reminds me of some sort of colonialism yeah like recent episodes are trying to be better with that like involving different species as much as possible but there are more to go actually so at least where i don't need to relate that or in a better way like, you know, well, like, having a main role as a human sounds okay, but, like, majority being human sounds like, hmm, like, so it's like a space where human dominated the space, sort of, like, yeah, it's kind of natural way of thinking to me. So, in general, I think I like sci-fi movies or shows because they are solely from imagination, like it's really not based on like real world concurrent real world contemporary things that's what they want you to think so um such imagination is kind of shaped by 
what we currently feel at and interpret about the world. So our worldview becomes more visible when it is surrounded by unrealistic settings. For example, in Star Trek discoveries, like military divisions, including common science and engineering departments, and that seemed interesting. It made me question whether we have the same academic divisions, like two hundred years later. Kind so of, beca- yeah. Yeah, because we're observing how academic distinctions are changing rapidly these days. You know, in some in some un- there are some. Unintentional settings, which are also interesting. So, for example, species other than human are described as a single group, single race, sort of. You know,、mm. but humans are described in different races. That's weird. Yeah. So, for example, there's a vulcan, which is a species of which people do not rely on emotions. Like, they really value. Ration, rational thinking.、Mm. There's no variation between them, so there should be a group of Vulcans who refuse to live in that way. Yeah, that makes sense. Or different ways of valuing logics, something like that. Well, that actually reflects how I how we see different human races. Like they are likely to share one and only cultural backgrounds, while we don't. You know. I don't know. Well, like from like, different like, space species perspective, we might share some similar cultural background, but like, we we actually don't think in that way. But they are treated in that way, so it's like. Hmm. Interesting. So, if such a view is applied to real cultures, like then it causes a lot of disputes, debates. Yeah. You know the new Mulan movie just mixes distinctions between East Asian cultures, like which resulted from the absence of Chinese storyteller, director, or producer in the team. Like that whole story is just made up by Americans, and they mixed Chinese legends with Egyptian ones. About Phoenix,、mm. I was like, that's not, that's not a new thing, but um, worse. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like we've we've seen a lot of such mistakes, but like. The question is, why are you repeating that? Yeah, in twenty twenty. Do you really think it's okay because it's been, done early, earlier?、Mm. Like I'm like, hmm, interesting, so.、Um, How about you, Stephanie? What entertainment have you enjoyed this quarantine? Um. So I really have been enjoying, um, like memes, and、mm-hmm. like scrolling the internet to look for them. Mhm. And I think that's really funny. One question. What? Why don't you share with me those memes? Because they're embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Because it's like I'll text you one right now. Okay. Let's see. Let's see. What's your name? By the way, we are recording this remotely. Yes, there's there's no Corona exchange right now. Yeah, and then like we don't, 
we don't guarantee the quality of recording <laughs> because it's a remote <laughs> I don't know I, I actually recently saw many shows that are recorded remotely and then they are using zoom and sounds quality are not very good well hopefully you can hear us mm-hmm. I, d- I just text Yak two memes to wow. see what he thinks well, I think it's okay mm-hmm. yeah I like this one People will see you sad and automatically think it's a relationship problem. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I exist or if this is all a dream. I'm like, what? No, no. It's not embarrassing, though, I think. I don't know. Sometimes it's like, wow. One blast. I feel like these are... I think you edited... I oh, some some real embarrassing memes. Yeah, we don't need to do the embarrassing memes. <laughs> okay. These are the more mild ones. Okay. Uh, but I've been enjoying those and like a lot of YouTube. Um, mm-hmm. Probably too much YouTube. Mm-hmm. And um, Me too. I like going down different like rabbit holes, but some random kind of content I like is like the family channels. Because then I'm like, dang, like people really are exist together so i find it like interesting to see the dynamics and then i like some of the like earthy people like i watch this um people who have a farm and they're like planting different vegetables and they're doing canning and all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. and like clearly i'm not doing any of that but i'm like oh yes this is the content i need to watch and um mm-hmm. playing animal crossing like many other people have been um, and I'm really excited for the like fall Halloween content to come out. And I've been streaming a lot of music, like especially for Moses Sunny, who who might get married. Like, watch out. Like that might be the one for me. Mm-hmm. Um if we ever link up, like I'll let you know, I'll give you the invite to our wedding because clearly it's gonna be love at first sight and it'll just be like a movie like the stars will start shining brighter and mm. all of that wow that was a little dramatic yeah. <laughs> so like i really listened to a lot of streamed music yeah and then i realized i spent too much time on that like actually what i do is watching some cover videos on youtube and i realized that uh, wow like, no, like two hours? No, really? Did bad. I spend two hours on YouTube? No way. And then I start to listen to some classical music. There's a playlist with title of classical focus. So it's kind of classic mu- classical music that can help you focus on your work. And then I just turn that on. Yeah. And then try to try to do some work. And then I realized that I really need to go to the restroom. You know? <laughs> that sort of sequence. Uh okay. <laughs> what? <laughs> now we move on to a question from our lifelong learners. 
um, before then, how can they participate? Yeah, um, you can submit your stories and questions via bit.ly osoh2020 bit.ly slash osoh2020. All right, here's a question from Curious Cook. What recipes have you been trying during quarantine? Yeah, this is a big question, but um, yeah, as I said in the previous episode, I tried as many new recipes as possible while I was with my mom. So I've tried squid fries, sear fried octopus, red bean porridge, potato eggplant fries, salmon rice bowl, fried sandwich, and subamaki. Which recipe do you think it's good to share with our learners? Um... The fried sandwich sounds really interesting and good. Uh-huh. Yeah, that sounds a, a bit um epic snack, but um it's really easy to cook. So first you make simple sandwiches, like three layers of sliced bread between which you can between which you can add um sliced ham, cheese, fruit jam or jelly in mayo. But I really don't recommend adding fresh veggies because it's hard to keep the shape mm-hmm. when you try to fry them. And second, you soak the sandwich in eggs. Mm-hmm. I think one egg or half egg per one sandwich will be enough. And then third, cover the egg-soaked sandwich with breadcrumbs. It adds some crispy. Yeah. And then pour a sufficient amount of vegetable oil on a pan. And you don't need a pot like for deep fries if you want to avoid big dishwashing. Mm-hmm. Once the oil is heated enough, put the prepared sandwich and like fry enough and make sure you cook the sides too. Like you really don't have to cook like inside of inside because yeah. they are already cooked you just things. Cook so outside. like Sounds easy, no? I don't know. It's kind of next level for me. I think the rest mm-hmm. in restaurant industry will be trying to take over it soon. <laughs> How about you, like Stephanie? What recipes have you tried during quarantine? Uh, I won't say I've been like the most adventurous person. Mm-hmm. Like this quarantine food is really just what I'm eating. But my mom and mm-hmm. I are taking some. Uh, vegan cooking classes together and made some burritos and other food. Vegan burritos sounds (laughs) tasty. Could you share the recipe? Yeah, it's pretty easy and it kind of depends on how you like it. For the one I did, I used a cup of beans whole and a cup of beans smashed for like some texture variation. Mushrooms, rice, corn, and spinach. Spinach. And I portioned the filling out for the week, and then I would just stuff the tortillas as it is. I want to eat it so that mm-hmm. it doesn't get all like wet and soft feeling. Mm-hmm. I get it. Yeah, and then if you want, you can also add like some um, pan fried tofu or other veggies. I just yeah. you know try to keep it simple so that I cook it. So here's what we've got for this episode. We really hope you enjoyed it. Thanks for listening. 
<laughs> so we are waiting for your participation. Please submit your stories and questions through bit.ly osoh2020 bit.ly slash osoh2020. Hopefully see you soon in the next episode.